0: On 1116 SEN, this is the Flag Flyers for the American-Australian Association, devoted to strengthening relations between the United States and Australia. Hello everyone and welcome to the Flag Flyers, the place where we profile and chat about all the Aussies flying the flag for us in the US of A. I'm Christopher Tyler, Lockie Miller again not with me in the studio, he's just come back from the States, he's in the country, he is still too tight to come into the studio, so I'm going to be doing this show again on my own, but not to worry, we're going to be playing the second half of the chat that we had with Jason Bennett a few weeks ago. We heard the first part last week, and as always, you can hear that at sen.com.au on the SEN America page. We tweet it out, we Facebook it, so if you want to uh, get in contact with us through those social media channels, you can, at SEN America on Twitter, and on Facebook, it'll be facebook.com forward slash SEN America. It's going to be another quick show today. We're not going to be doing Round the Bases. This is going to be the last special edition that we're doing where we have a chat with uh, Jason Bennett. It was a terrific chat. He came into the studio, spoke about his rise to prominence, uh, of course, doing the Aussies Abroad, the face of Aussies Abroad, Jason Bennett. is. He came in and chatted about that and uh, his journey through um, Aussies Abroad and through ESPN and how he met with a lot of Australian superstars, not just in America, but across the world. And here's the second half of the chat with Jason Bennett. So how early on in the process did you actually choose who you wanted to speak to? Is that, Do you do your research and then go, all right, these guys have a pretty interesting story? Or do you go, all right, I want to touch on these guys, these guys, these guys, and these guys. And now you do your research. And then after you do your research, you reach out to them. What was that process like?
1: Well, as I said, everybody's got great stories. So I, I chose on the basis of stories, effectively. The first one I ever did was Andrew Bogart. And there was a logic behind that. At that time, he was probably the, one of the biggest names and still is, Australian athletes. And I realised that I needed a few big-name athletes on my back catalogue to then go and sell to other athletes. And if you've got Andrew Bogart, the next person you go to talk to, they say, oh, so series, oh, it's just new, yeah, so who else have you interviewed? And if you can start to say, oh, well, I've done Andrew Bogart, Tim Cale, Cadell Evans, et cetera, et cetera, there's a, a lot great, easier. It's yeah. a lot easier for people to go, oh, okay, oh, right, well, oh, yeah, great then, yeah, I'd love to be involved. So there was a logic there. I did try to chase a few uh, big names early on, and then you tend to find that, yeah, it just becomes an easier process. And, and ESPN, to their credit, and again, Sean Riley, who I spoke about earlier, who ran Fox Footy, I mean, Sean, at the start of the year, I had the ultimate job for someone in this position in that he would say, look, here's your budget for the year, off you go. I know you're going to make great content. You make as many shows as you want. You go speak to whoever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want, because as long as it's on budget and on time, I know you'll deliver content. And that's a great flexibility to have because it allowed me to let stories ripen, which I think is another really important thing. And you look at the storytelling that happens in the Australian media at the moment. There isn't a lot of it. There's hardly any sports storytelling. There's really none. But even shows like Australian Story or 60 Minutes or Sunday Night that do great storytelling, there's still a pressure on there to deliver shows on relatively short timelines. I never had that pressure. So I was able to go and spend a bit of time. Like the show I did with Dan Ricardo that ended up being two hours long, we shot that on and off over a four-year period. Four be- years? Because wow. I was waiting for his story to ripen. And that's a really important concept. Dan's story wasn't ready to be told until there was a natural upswing to finish.
0: So it was like a Hoop Dreams kind of documentary yeah, where you followed him was, over a period of time. That's right.
1: I follow, I start. we started talking and following and shooting before he was in Formula 1 and then we went through the process of him getting into Formula 1 and then we talked about life when he was actually in Formula 1. So, it was a fantastic and I did that with a number of different guys. The same with Andrew Bogart and and that's the oh, and again, it, it's so rare that you have the luxury of time in our business because you know, people say right, oh, well, you know, 12 episodes and they've got to be on one a week in, across this three-month period. So you just got to go bang, 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 and get them all done. For me, I had the luxury of having some in the background, and I would just shoot a little bit here and there, and I'd maybe catch up with a guy once or twice a year over the course of a couple of years. And everybody needs their ups and their downs to have to have a really good story. And the story needs to ripen. There needs to be a natural, you know, a few natural adversities that they overcome, and a few natural high points that you know develop. And that's when you get really good quality. Storytelling when someone's story is ripe, and so for Dan, his story was ripe at the end of last year after he finally made it to Red Bull and had that wonderful season. And his story is not finished. Incidentally, I, will still, you know, we're still in touch, and we will still continue to add to his story as his journey continues. Um, and that's again part of the beauty of this concept is that we can just continually go back and and add new chapters as they develop and, and people's stories develop.
2: Every every so often on Twitter, when you're at ASPN doing the Aussies Abroad series. It wasn't uncommon for me to to scroll past a tweet that said, Jason, you have the best job in the world. And obviously, you know, you do. I (laughs) I find it kind of funny that, um, you know, uh, out of all the jobs in the world, if you're an Australian and being a sports fan, your job kind of would have been the pinnacle. It's kind of like American politicians aspire to be present Australians because we love sport – would aspire to have your job where your job is open. You can pick whoever you want to interview. You've got a budget. You just go
1: wherever you want. I imagine your frequent flyer points would be amazing. Yeah. Well, they were. Look, it was an incredible, you know, what an experience. And again, I every single day, I you know, pinched myself. I knew exactly how lucky I was. Never took any of it for granted because, yeah. But the flip side of that is no one gave it to me. I had to forge that position myself. Absolutely. I had to do the hard yards over. And people would say, oh, how do I get your job? I said, well, go away, work your butt off for 15 years for not much money and then come back and maybe you're a chance. I mean, that's the reality of what it takes. Um, it's it, it's not as simple as, I mean, my, you know, my dad doesn't own a media company or something where I just go, hey, dad, I just want this job. This job's going to be awesome and someone gave it to me. you got to fight for it. And there is lots of sacrifices. There's lots of times away from my kids and lots of travel, and uh, which is great, but at the same time, the actual travel part of travelling is horrendous, as you guys would know. Being somewhere else is really fun. But getting there...
0: Especially once the novelty wears off. Oh,
1: getting there is horrendous. Like how many times we got stuck in airports and all sorts... of All the time. Again, small price to pay. I'm not complaining in the slightest. But like any job, it had its great aspects and its not so great aspects. But in this case, the great aspects certainly overrode the, the not so great ones. And, but the important thing was that you know, you never take it for granted and you always make sure you do it justice and you always make sure that your next episode is your best episode. And, and so when people say to me, "And I'm, is this on your list of questions, Chris? What's your favourite Aussies Abroad episode? What's your favourite Aussies Abroad episode? My answer to that is always been the next one because the story that I'm... Inv- and it sounds cute and, and cheesy and whatever else, but it's true because I get so invested in the story that I'm so into the whatever episode is I'm working on at the time. And because I had control of the process from initially selecting who it was that we went and spoke to. I produced it all myself. I organized everything myself. I wrote it. I created it. I hosted it. I did the post-production, the whole thing. Um, I had an editor in Connecticut and one in um, Miami who I never saw, never spoke to. Everything was done remotely. We developed a remote production system where if I was on the beach in the Bahamas, I could be writing one episode while i'm filming another one and i'm working on the next two and so i was just constantly on the move all the time and everything everything was done remotely via internet and you know technology and but the upside of that is or the 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 byproduct of that rather is that you get so invested in a particular story that you want that next episode to be your best one and if it's not then what what's wrong it? with it yeah. exactly well I was going to ask the question but I was going to phrase it a little
2: bit differently I was going to say because you basically pick and choose you're not mandated by the you know ESPN to, to do something uh, per se is that they're kind of like your children you don't have a favourite you love them all because of you know you chose them for lots of different reasons
1: exactly i mean i didn't i didn't choose any dud stories to begin with i mean the story i've been attracted to doing a particular story for a reason that story's got you know captivating value to me so yeah uh, you know every story i do i you know absolutely loved and was proud of and and made sure that it you know had the same production quality as those that came before it and There's just so many stories out there. I mean, we could be doing this show for another 10 years and never do the same story twice. I mean, there's just so many Australians doing incredible things, some of which you know and you're very familiar with and others that you probably never heard of, but equally as fascinating. But
2: if you had to pick one, (laughs) if you had to, if you had to, gun to your head, you have to pick
1: one. Who's your favourite? Shoot me. (laughs) I don't care. any of them? No, well, look, they're for, for very just different reasons. I mean, I, I was always taken by the unbelievable commitment of the freestyle motocross guys like Robbie Madison and Cam Sinclair. I mean, Cam Sinclair did that double backflip in Spain, uh, almost died, spent a week in a coma, had to learn to walk again and talk again, and within a year he was pulling that exact same trick at X Games and winning the gold medal. I mean, that just takes cojones like you wouldn't believe. Uh, so I was always amazed by the commitment. And again, the experience of standing there in Staples, Staples Centre... Next to his fiance, as he's uh, attempting the exact same trick that almost killed him eleven months earlier. I've never been at a sporting event where I literally was fearful that the guy I was there to watch and focus on may actually potentially die literally in front of me. That is a possibility. I mean, you go watch other guys play, and you know, you think the worst might happen. You know, they'll do their knee or something, which is horrible. But the commitment that those guys show and the roller coaster effect that has on their friends and their family and their parents and their girlfriends and their partners, what they go through behind the scenes every time these guys compete is just extraordinary. So their commitment is just unparalleled. I've never met anyone who's, who's uh, has got that level of commitment. In terms of training, I've never met guys that train as hard as the MMA guys, guys like Kyle Noak and, and George Sotiropoulos. I mean, I spent time with Kyle in Albuquerque um, and they would literally, Kyle would literally have six full meals a day I'm not talking about snacks, I'm talking about a full dinner plate loaded full of food because he would be training so hard that he would need to put that amount of food into his body every day so that he could maintain his weight. Two hours of boxing in the morning, you know, you and I box, we're knackered in 20 seconds, he does it for two hours, has a short break, two hours of grappling, you know how hard grappling is, you wrestle with people, you're exhausted in no time, bit of a break, two hours of martial arts, striking. And then he goes and does hill sprints at the end of the day. And they do this stuff day after day after day. They're incredible athletes. So those guys train the hardest. I think the freestyle motocross guys are committed just in terms of like they put they literally put their lives on the line whenever they go out there. So I can sort of compartmentalize. I don't have a favorite episode, but I have certain elements of certain athletes that certainly stand out.
2: The one that um, sort of fascinates me or, you know, in terms of getting that inside look is – You know, you usually go or used to go to Kona every year. Mm. I I can't imagine what it's like to see someone that's probably in the most pain you could possibly get in in, in a sporting field like Kona. Like, is that confronting seeing people, you know, towards the end of that that run in, like, so much anguish? Like, they're literally
1: barely staying upright. It is. Honestly, it's the most amazing sporting event I've ever had anything to do with. Now I know we've all got our bucket list of events we want to go and we want to go to the Super Bowl and we want to go to the FA Cup and all this sort of things. If you're a sports fan, please do yourself a favor and put Kona on your bucket list and put it up really, really high. You will never ever go to a sporting event that's anything like it. It is and it sounds ridiculous, sounds cheesy and corny. It's a spiritual experience. And by that you will walk away thinking the human body and the human spirit is capable of literally anything. What am I doing? What's my excuse for not getting off the couch? You've got 80-year-old women who can go and swim, bike, and run for 18 hours straight in 50-degree temperatures and get to the finish line. It is an incredible event. It is a beautiful place, and it is the perfect time of the year straight after footy season. If you love sport, please, Put Kona on your bucket list. You will not regret it.
0: So you've told a number of terrific stories over the years, and I think now we're very excited about the, the next crop of Australian athletes that are head, heading over to the States at the moment. Obviously, we've got a whole bunch of punters punting in the collegiate system coming through the ranks at the moment. We've got a whole bunch of basketballs coming through the system as well. Who are you looking forward to? Is there anyone specifically that you're looking forward to, or, or what kind of... state do you think Australian sport is in the fact that we've got so many players coming through and playing these American sports?
1: Yeah, and it's not just the big sports either. It's just all sports. I mean, you just about pick any sport in the world and there's an Aussie involved or multiple Aussies involved somewhere. And I think the great thing, and it's twofold, I think I'm really proud of Australia as a sporting nation of fans – that we have broadened our horizon and we've got a much deeper, broader respect for, for sport generally than we had when I was growing up, when it was uh, footy in the winter and cricket in the summer. And that's great. But we'd look at other sports, and I think the Socceroos were a great flag bearer for this. We'd look at other sports and we'd go, oh, yeah, soccer. I oh, don't like soccer. It's no good. But the Socceroos broke down that barrier of, of, of making sports people who were hardcore AFL or NRL or cricket fans go, you know what? there might be something to this soccer thing. Actually, it's quite interesting. It's quite exciting. I quite enjoyed that. And it started to break down the barriers. And I think as a sporting nation now of fans, we're so much more worldly at just keeping track of what's going on around the world because here's the reality. It's a bit like food. You can try a type of food and you go, you know what, it's not really my thing. But if a billion people around the world are eating it, then some people are going to like it. It's obviously got an upside, and sport's the same. If there's a sport overseas that's really, really popular, it may not be your bag, but it's obviously got some sort of redeeming qualities that brings excitement and fun to people, otherwise they wouldn't follow it. And I think Australian fans, and the other the other side of this equation is through the coverage we get in Australia now, largely through cable TV, through Foxtel, when we were growing up, if you wanted to follow the Premier League, if you were lucky, you might get a game a week or a highlight on the news or something. Now you can watch every game. You know, like It's the same with the NBA. You get league pass. You can watch so much NFL. If you actually want to adopt these teams and follow them on a weekly basis and immerse yourself in a sport like you need to to have a proper fandom experience, you can. And so many Aussies have, particularly of the younger generation coming through. So the spin-off effect of that is... Aussie athletes that are coming through, kids that are now 12, 13, 14, 15, deciding what they want to do with their lives. can They've got role models all over the world now of young Australians that are going out and doing this stuff. The idea of going and punting in college 10 years ago, you go, well, it's not even on my radar. I'll play t- I'll play footy if I don't make the TAC Cup. I'll just go play local footy somewhere. It's not even a thought that I could maybe go and try punting and go and have an incredible experience on the other side of the world and, and see a whole different side to life. Now that's it's on the radar of, Australian teenage kids and, and so it should be. The opportunities are out there and it's just great. that. And I, I want us to make sure we keep telling the stories. So we keep sharing those stories with the next generation of Australians to keep sort of fueling their dreams.
0: And obviously while these athletes are looking up to the guys coming through the system at the moment, you are someone that Lockie and I kind of look up to. And Lockie mentioned before how he sent you uh, an email and I did the same thing. Actually, this was before I knew Lockie. How many people did you actually have sending you emails and kind of saying, hey – can I get a job or do, do I, anything like that? Because I, 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 I did that.
2: Yeah, I, could, I shouldn't have said
1: it at the start because now everyone's going to email Jason or <laughs> inbox him on Twitter or something. No, look, it's... Um, I,
0: I assume you had a few people try yeah, to contact you. Yeah, I have.
1: You. I've had a lot over the years. And look, here's the reality. I in, in our line of work, in the media, you're only ever one phone call away from being unemployed. That's the reality. doesn't matter how successful, how great your job is, at some point, Everything ends. Every series ends, every job ends, there's always changes. And so suddenly you're on the outside looking in again. And the way I've always looked at it is, I remember what it's like to be like you guys were at that point when you sent me the email, of desperately wanting to break in. I mean, from the time, I, as I said, from when I was a kid, I went five, six, seven years just knocking on doors without anybody giving me the time of day. The least I can do is if you reach out to me is to try and give you a little bit of advice of what I've learned along the way
0: which you did which is terrific and it's
1: not yeah. it's not rocket science there's nothing that i there's no so people say is there any secrets to success no there's not it's the same things that you hear from everybody it's persistence determination having a dream finding your own niche being committed to it I mean I've been broke I've had a bloke knock on my door and threatened to evict me from my house because I haven't paid the mortgage all those sort of things but if you want to chase your dream badly enough you have to fight your way through those circumstances and you have to hang out and not take the safe job because it takes you further away from where your dream is. And, and so that's why, again, I have that empathy with Australian athletes that are doing exactly the same thing overseas. They're going through exactly the same experiences that I've been through personally. I understand what it's like to have your dream and to be sitting there thinking, oh, I can't pay the bills. What am I going to do? Am I just going to have to give up on this? I, I mean, uh, I don't want to go and take a normal nine-to-five job, but I've got to pay the bills somehow. It's not easy. And uh, I'm not complaining. That's just part of the gig. If you want, if you want a uh, job security, don't work in my line of work. But if you want the highs that come with the low lows, then go chase them. And and so I'm I absolutely say to to people trying to break in our industry, how do you break in? Well, there's no there's no easy way. There's no shortcut. There's no oh, well do this, do this, do this, and then you'll make it. Everyone's got to find their own path. But the one thing that you do have to do is just have that. How badly do you want it? Do you you have the persistence? Do you have the determination? Are you really prepared to sacrifice when push comes to shove and hold out and chase your dream? Because if you are and you're good enough, you'll get there. If you're not, you'll go take the nine to five job and your life will spin off in a different direction. And there's nothing wrong with that. Not everybody gets to chase their dream and and gets their dream job at the end of the day. But if you want to be a professional athlete or you want to work in this line of work, that's what you've got to do. It's a non-negotiable.
0: And you were terrific with your time when uh, you, sent email, uh, you sent Lockie a message back and me a message back. And you've been terrific with your time again today because we've kept you twice as long as we promised you. So thank you for that. I hope <laughs> you didn't have to be anywhere. But thanks for being with us anyway. We really appreciate your time, Jason. Thanks for joining us.
1: Uh, it's a pleasure, guys. And once again, congratulations on everything you're doing. I've taken a very keen interest in your development and you're definitely on the right path. And... You're doing exactly the same sort of things that I've been doing. It's exactly how it all works.
0: Exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll speak to you soon. That brings us to the end of The Flag flies today. Back to normal next week. Lockie will be back in the studio. We'll be doing a round of the bases as well as all the usual stuff. Again, you can hit us up on Twitter at The Flag flies, as well as our SEN America page at SEN America, and on uh, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash The Flag or facebook.com forward slash SEN America. Thanks for listening, guys. Three hundred For more SEN America podcasts, head to sen.com.au. To keep up to date with the latest American sports news and interviews from around SEN, follow SEN America on Twitter at SEN America and on Facebook at facebook.com slash SEN America.